as exciting and fun as they are, scary stories can inspire us to look inward, to learn something about ourselves, especially when they're personal experiences. Real or not, ghosts, monsters, aliens or not, the experience affects our beliefs and our fears. Tonight, on part two of our terrifying tales, all of our guests share personal experiences. And with the exception of two of them, I was around to witness the events. And the last story in the episode is my account of a very real, strange, and terrifying incident I experienced years ago. Still, the scariest moment in my life. This is a study of strange. Welcome to the show. I'm Michael May. Thank you all for listening to the Halloween special Terrifying Tales. It is part two tonight. If you haven't listened to part one, I encourage you to do so. Now, a little bit of business before we get started. I announced that I'll be reading new reviews a few weeks ago. So I'm going to read two tonight to start that off. And if you want a review read, make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and you can take a screen grab of that and then email me a studyofstrange at gmail.com. And I want to thank a handful of podcasters, you know who you are, who suggested that I do this. To start, this is from JMB, who says, awesome, looking forward to more. <laughs> thank you, JMB. And then another review from Thompson, who says, love it, really looking forward to more episodes. Reviews are so important for podcasts, and I really appreciate it. So the last bit of business tonight, because I really want to get into the stories quick this evening, we have a an additional Halloween special, an in-depth interview with horror filmmaker icon Tom Holland, who's behind Child's Play and Fright Night and many, many other great movies. I got to talk to him about his career, as well as his new book, Fright Night Origins. That interview will be released a few days before Halloween. I don't know exactly which day, so if you want to listen to it, and I hope that you do, uh, make sure that you're subscribed to the show so it'll pop up in your feed when that episode drops. And now to the terrifying tales. We're going to start tonight with Molly Elfman, a filmmaker and an old friend of mine, and a lot of her current work which she will talk about in this interview, deals with questioning what ghosts are and our relationship to them. So we ended up having a bit of a longer conversation than will be in the episode. If you're interested to hear the whole thing, I have put that out on Patreon, so you can find information for that from our website, astudyofstrange.com. Now, the only tee-up I'm going to give to this story is that it happened years ago when we first met, when we were working on the production of a short film called The Price, and we were filming that in an old studio in downtown Los Angeles, which is supposedly haunted. Here's the story. Hey, Molly, thanks for sharing a story. You're going to actually tell a story that involves me. <laughs> so That's true. That's right. It's something that may have been paranormal and, and I was around for, and I always say I want to experience something ghostly and this might've been a thing. I don't know. So yeah. How do you want to start? Do you want to just dive into it or? Yeah, I guess so. It's also interesting because this is how we like first met. Yeah. Uh, 
Oh, is it 12 years ago? <laughs> I think yeah. it's 12 years ago, but it's funny because, I mean, we have gone on to work on a number of projects together. Yeah. I don't even know. Uh, but this was our bonding experience <laughs> that just brought us together, which is, I guess, it's 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 actually a really daunting thing what you asked. is like, tell a ghost story. And I'm like, okay, well, which one? What type of ghost story? What's the vibe? Because I, you know, I, I grew yeah. up with ghosts. I, I am a firm believer in ghosts and and not in a way that I, I'm afraid of them in a, in at most times, but I, I do believe in experiences just because I've had so many at this point. Can I can I interrupt you for a second? Because I actually forgot about this. Because I've been asking so many people, hey, do you have a, a scary story you want to tell? And, and obviously, I'm going to go to you with that. So you were one of the first people I asked. But I actually forgot about your upbringing and the house you lived in. Is that something you can share? Or do you want me to cut that question out? Um, no, you can, you, I can talk about that. I like to have conversations, as you know, on fear and how we learn to be afraid and where fear comes from. I wasn't afraid of the things that most other people were afraid of because I was dealing with it on an everyday basis. Uh, I grew up in a house that was notorious for having a woman murdered in it. Uh, there were things that appeared in the mirror. There were, uh, footsteps every single night kind of almost cliche ghost things that i would come to see later in movies and be like well that's not scary that's just every single night uh sounds of shattering glass in the same room that uh the woman was murdered in uh bullet holes appearing in the glass one day right before oh. christmas and uh it was very funny because i'll never forget that experience my mom just seeing this it's a ghost story to preempt the ghost story but was me my mom sitting in the tv room watching tv and it was a huge it was like a horseshoe shaped house there was a big hallway through the middle of it and all of a sudden all of the animals running in and i mean all of the animals we had dogs we had cats we had guinea pigs and birds and so it was like ace ventura like coming through the hallway all running towards us which is quite a sight unto itself and then we walked back we followed them from where they came from and in the living room were these holes uh, on the glass. It was this whole living room that had these big glass uh, doors. And what was interesting is only the inside panel had the bullet holes where the outside panel hadn't been touched. So if it would have been a bullet or mm -hmm. something of that nature that would have had that force. And I think this says a lot about my upbringing. My mom just covered it with the curtains because Chris, there was a Christmas party coming up and she said, don't tell anybody, they won't come over for the party. <laughs> Uh, and that's kind of how we dealt with fear in my house. And that's how we dealt with scary moments. Uh, and so I think it gives me a little bit of a different perspective. And I've, I've often wondered, and this goes to when we met and something that I was thinking about earlier when you asked me, is what this connection I have to the other side is. It's something that I always felt very willing to be open to, willing to explore and willing to experience. I seem to have no control over when I experience it or who I'm around when I experience it. So it it's something that I only now, as I've gotten older, am starting to kind of question what it was that I experienced when I was a kid. Yeah. And it's funny, we can talk about this later after the story, but it's a nice tie-in to the work that you now do. Um, all right. Yeah. So why don't you tell us about uh, the story that happened with me around and, and maybe even start with where it was. Do you remember the name of the studio we were at? Yeah. Lacey Street Studios. We were shooting The Price. Uh, and 
it was very funny because at that time I was still an actor uh, back in the day when I was acting and I actually got cast in it, which is crazy to me that anybody cast me. Thanks for that. Um, you and Ashley. Uh, and uh, yeah, it, that's crazy. Uh, James and Zeke were directing and they were that, it was such a fun time. It was also, we were all very young. We were all just starting out. That was one of the first shorts that I think I ever acted in. And me being me and you being you, at the end of the day, after both of our jobs were technically finished, uh, I was hanging around, uh, just kind of uh, wondering what I could do to help. And you, being the producer on set and also an actor in it, were also kind of hanging around. And both of us started to go from set and be like, oh, all of these C-stands and all of this equipment needs to get back to the truck. All right, well, let's go ahead and let's grab some and let's do it, which I think really lays the groundwork for what our future relationship in the film <laughs> yeah. industry would be like. Indeed, indeed. Um, but, you know, I just remember chatting and it was, you know, it was late at night. Uh, everybody was trying to get out of there as quickly as possible. This is a studio that's kind of notoriously haunted, I guess. has had a lot of horror films shot there. And I just remember being very excited to be there, very young, very enthusiastic, going to help out this other producer. And... Uh, we decided, maybe I don't know for what reason, that we were going to go through another piece of the studio. Instead of going back to the trucks where everybody else was, we were going to make a shortcut. And so you grabbed some of the gear and led the way. And then I grabbed some gear and I was following you. And we were walking and we went around, you know, it's a film set. So at first there's a lot of people and there's kind of bustling and there's a lot going on. And then we kind of got to this the back of the studio or to this other area. And I was still kind of you know, dropping things as I was walking, you know, very clumsily. And I just remember seeing you probably about 40 feet ahead stop very abruptly. And there was something about the way that you did it that I, it, it signified danger. I didn't know what was going on, but it was, it was scary to me. And I remember I stopped because I didn't want to go forward anymore. And you slowly turned, but it was weird because you didn't turn to where I was you turned and looked at somebody or something that should have been right behind you. And I remember taking this in and then all of a sudden you looked at me and you said, did you just say my name? And I said, no, I didn't say your name. And then I, I walked over to you and you said, I heard you say my name, but it was as if you were directly next to me. And I, I didn't know what to say to that. And I said, well, it wasn't me and you said but it was your voice and i remember both of us about at the same moment looking over and there was this door uh that was slightly ajar and i don't know if it opened while we were sitting there i can't remember that or if it was just ajar and both of us had a sense that there was something through that door and there was this moment of do we open the door <laughs> Do we go through this? And then instead, both of us picked up our C-stands and we just kind of hurried on. Um, but the interesting thing about this was the idea of it being my voice. And this is actually something that has happened to me uh, a few times in my life where I have had people turn and tell me that I said their name and it was my voice. So this is not actually the only time that this has happened to me. And in fact, it recently happened to me on this production that I just got done with, which is something that of this high intensity and this high uh, adrenalized place that I'm in, I have often wondered what this is. You know, 
is this, you know, people talk about a dark shadow that follows you. Uh, is this a ghost that is imitating me? Is it mocking me? Or is there somebody else who is similar to me that is following me around? But everybody seems to, who has had this experience, genuinely feel like it's me. But it's not. Or is it? You know, I'm, <laughs> so that's kind of like, I guess that's more or less a little bit of the story. But I guess one of the things that I'm always curious about is what is a ghost? Where does a ghost come from? Uh, and I also believe that when we die, there are reasons why we stick around. There are, I don't believe that everybody becomes a ghost. I don't believe that we just sit around. I do believe that there is a reason. I often think that that reason is us on earth. We can't let go of something. There is some type of trauma. There is something that is needed. There is some type of unfinished business. So the question is, why am I still here? What am I doing? What, what am I holding on to? And why is it that it's reaching out to certain people at certain times? There is a piece of me that wonders if it was the place that we were at, if it had something to do with Lacey. Uh, you know, I used to think it was the haunted places that I was going to, but I think the scarier thing that I realized is it's not the places, it's me. And then certain places where I am, it can access me and or those around me more easily. You can make sense of this if you'd like. I, I don't know that I can. I, yeah, I mean, I don't I, I don't know if I can either, but I I love that I had you come on and tell this because you uh, talk about this so much more wisely and intellectually than I do and emotionally as well. So I, I'm already really loving this. Uh, and it is an interesting there's a lot of interesting thoughts and questions that you bring up, but most of that is exactly the way I remember it. The only thing I I would add to that is I don't remember looking at a door and except it may have been because we were right where the bathrooms were in this hallway of Lacey Street Studios. Lacey Street is basically an old warehouse in downtown Los Angeles, and they use it for film and TV productions now. And it can be its own studio. They use it for sets. It looks like an old warehouse. So if you see an old warehouse in a TV show shot in LA, it's likely shot at Lacey Street. That's true. And uh, it's like you said, it's famously haunted. The people that run the place claim that it's haunted. The movie Saw, the first one was shot there. And there was, apparently there's stories of weird happenings during that movie in, in Lacey Street Studios. Apparently, a lot of the activity is in that hallway with the bathrooms. I, I, I swear, and I can still feel it. I can see it. I can visualize everything of hearing your voice right behind me. And the voice wasn't scary. It was turning around and noticing that you were 30 to 40 feet behind me. That's what freaked me out. And I remember just trying to play that off. It's like, oh, well, huh, it just sounded like you were right behind me and like trying to be nonchalant about it. And we continued on. Um, but the the one thing I kind of want to add to that is after we dropped off the C-stands and equipment and we turned around to go back down through that hallway to return to set. And there was one of our PAs and I can't remember her name right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I totally forgot about yeah. this. How did I forget about this? So yeah. she, she was coming down that hallway that we were just in and she had like stopped and was looking around oddly when we saw her, like something had happened to her. And so it was just this weird, this weird energy. Well, and she said the same thing. Do you not yeah. remember? Yeah. She stopped in the hallway and we looked back and she goes, 
Molly, did you just say my name? Ah, and I remember both of us looking at each other. How did I forget that piece yeah. of it? And realizing it wasn't just it wasn't just you hearing my name. It was my voice that was somehow locked in that spot. It, it was so clearly your voice. Like it, it sounded just like you. And and yeah, you. All I heard was Mikey, and I heard that right behind me. And it, yeah, it was really weird. And I'm glad you brought this up when you were trying to think of stories and asked about this, or maybe I even brought it up. I can't remember who, but just by the nature of asking you to come on the podcast and share a scary story made me think about it. Cause I keep saying, cause I've been doing all these like paranormal episodes this month and I keep saying like, oh, I haven't really experienced anything. And I forgot about this, which mm-hmm. is weird to th- forget about because you also made a, a segment for an anthology horror film we produced, Fun Size Horror. That <laughs> was in- the short film I directed. Inspired yeah. by that. I played a version of myself with the bad haircut I had at the time. But yes, it's, <laughs> it's so it's interesting that I have not forgotten about it. I wonder if I just don't want to think about it. I wonder if like the skeptic in me is like, nah, I'm just going to write that off and not even think about it anymore. But yeah, that was that is easily the strangest experience I've ever had by far. And it was, it was one that was truly paranormal. And again, this idea of fear, it wasn't innately, it's not scary to hear somebody's voice say your name. It's the idea that they're not connected to it. I'm going to choose to say that it's you years, many, many, many moons from now when you've passed on, because time isn't, isn't linear. You've chosen to come back and haunt me in that moment. That's what I'm going to choose happened. Uh, and I mean, it, it does make sense that I would just like fuck with people. Like I'm not going to scare you too much, but I do just kind of want to mess with your day. <laughs> I find these portals and places that I can yep. come back through. Yep. And I'm, or I was just excited. I was like, hey, Mikey, I came yeah, through a door I remember I this. You. Yeah. I remember you. I remember this yeah. moment. Yeah. Um, but I do wonder, like, I, I always wondered what would have happened if we would have gone back and gone through that doorway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe that's an episode of something we need to go to. May- maybe. Is that, uh, yeah. That is, that's a good question, Molly. That is a very good question. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for sharing this story. Before we go, though, just because it ties in so perfectly, you've completed a movie that's coming out soon, Next Exit, which actually deals with the afterlife. It does. And, and it actually addresses some of the the topics that you, you are bringing up. When is When does that movie come out? It comes out November 4th. It'll be in limited select theaters and it'll be on demand at that point as well. Yeah. And it's uh, it's about a congressman. Who, <laughs> yes, it's all about this congressman who it's really all about wants one, to overturn. Yeah, that's uh, played played by myself. So uh, yes, everybody check it out, but not for that, not for that. No, check it out for the whole movie. I'm very, I'm in the background. Uh, <laughs> that was that was very fun. It was really fun to have you on set that day. I appreciate it so much. Uh, I'll be sending you a headshot later. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, and then you also just to plug everything else. You also just wrapped a movie called Birth Rebirth which yeah. is a, sh- it's Shutter exclusive, isn't it? Um, yes, it'll be, uh, well, it's Shutter and it'll have additional distribution, nice, uh, which nice. we can't quite announce yet. Uh, yeah. And that should probably be ready in 2023. That's an mm-hmm. all-female Frankenstein adaptation uh, about a woman who wants to birth a child with her mind and not her body. Yeah. Fun ensues. Uh, and that's with director Laura Moss. Um, and so, yeah, it's been... 
And yeah, the ghostiness, you're absolutely right in Next Exit, because that's one that I wrote and directed. You're you're going to see me working out some of literal, literally, it's, you know what? I'm really glad that I came on this show because sometimes I forget the experiences that yeah. I had that added into the things that I did. And boy, oh boy, did this play a very small but important part on, yeah. on an element that is definitely in Next Exit, uh, a world in which we know ghosts exist and we can see, track and record them on the other side. And you know, if you want to be one of the pioneers, you can go and join them and become a new type of celebrity. Yeah, indeed. Well, I'll provide uh, some links to all those things and where to see stuff like that uh, in the show notes. And yeah, thank you so much, Molly. We talked more than I intended to, but I should <laughs> I should have just assumed us. I should have I should have just assumed. <laughs> but I, I I really appreciate what you brought to this. So thank you again for sharing that story and scaring me again. Me. Thank you. Oh, good. That's <laughs> what I'm really here for. You know, yeah. Whether I'm in this world or the next. Next up, we have Zeke Panera, another old friend of mine. And here's where things get interesting, at least for me. Zeke is the co-director of The Price, the film that was happening during Molly Elfman's story. And Zeke and Molly and I had a company called Fun Size Horror, where we produced and distributed and promoted a lot of short digital horror content. And I actually interviewed him a while ago for this episode because I knew he would have a scary story. And it's completely unintentional what happened, which is he shared some stories that also took place in Lacey Street Studios at the same time as Molly's story. And again, I did not know he would tell those stories. I had no intention of connecting Molly and Zeke together in their experiences. It just happened. And I find it fascinating. It also makes me question my own beliefs about these things. So without further ado, here is Zeke Panero. Hi, Zeke. Good to see you. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, but I have no idea what you're going to share. What type of story are you going to talk about? Uh, I mean, it's a couple of, I, I've got two, they're short stories. Mm-hmm. So I've got, I've got two. Yeah. And uh, one is uh, an experience that I had at the Disneyland Hotel. Oh, nice. It, and the other is a story with with ghosts at Lacey Street Studios because oh, I also nice. had my own uh, little um, strange uh, occurrence that I that I experienced um, while I was there. Uh, actually, a couple because that place is is undoubtedly haunted. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'll 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 share those 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 uh, two, and then yeah, yeah, you can yeah, let's uh, let's dive into it. The Lacey Street Studio ones. Well, the first one was our first night of shooting there. You go to Lacey Street and like you could just you you look at it and you're like, okay, this place is haunted. It's all old brick. It's an old textile factory from like you know turn of the century, uh, turn of the into the 18th to 19th century, and um, yeah, and then it got converted to a studio, and then it became this weird hodgepodge, just people being like, oh, let's build a stage on this thing, and then stages on top of stages, and then. Yeah, and there's there's this like kind of creepy warehouse that is connected to this even creepier looking like furnace chimney that that's like right front and center in the studio, and behind that is like you know some bathrooms. And uh, we were shooting the price, and we had a lot of night shoots uh, there, and it was our first night shoot. And uh, I went to go use the bathroom, and I was sitting 
in one of the stalls and I heard conversation like I was like you know crews going around there between like we'd broken for lunch I was using the bathroom and then I, I heard some people come in and talk start talking and I was like but it was weird because I couldn't quite understand what was being said and you know and obviously like director on the first thing I'm like is this the crew are they gonna be talking shit on me like what 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 info am I gonna get and I couldn't quite understood but it was clearly like whispered voices in this room in this bathroom and uh you know uh, i then you know uh, uh finish up i i open i hear nobody exit i open up the door and no one is there no one is there nobody exits nobody it's like the voices just kind of got cut off and stopped um so and then and then later uh was was the guy's name rusty he was a caretaker there talking to him about kind yeah, of yeah the caretaker had all the stories yeah yeah he had all the stories and he was like that bathroom in particular that is a regular occurrence that happens in talking to him later on um and then the second one was our last night there um and that was um that was it was last night there we were running late on we were running short on time the way the lighting scheme of it was just taking too much time and i went to go i was trying to find you know our dp so i could talk to him and be like all right we gotta you know kind of nip this and, and get moving and uh yeah so the shot was you know it was an outdoor shot so we you know it was kind of in this you know little uh, uh enclave you know between buildings and so they were setting up all the lights on the roofs and uh i you know so then i i i was like you know trying to, he was he was up on the roof i was down on the ground and so i i saw the grips unloading um equipment from the trucks and then bringing it upstairs so i went to go follow a grip and i followed a grip and i started following this figure um up these stairs up these windy stairs and then through these different corridors and i, I kept you know it's like just a, a little bit ahead so every time i turn a corner you know you'd see the, the tail end of the person turning the corner and uh i followed that shape into a completely empty room and there was nothing there i like yeah there was there was no other there was no other way I could have lost the person it was just like a straight staircase like I kind of like wound up around and then like just yeah yeah so I found uh, there was a, a a shape you know like I followed the shape into a a totally empty room where it was like you know windows and stuff and I could see the crew on the other side of the building but uh, but there was no way for me to get to them from where I was yeah and so that was very eerie I have forgotten about those stories until just now. And the one in the bathroom, I, I don't even know if you ever shared that with me. I may have just forgotten about it, but it is so interesting because that is outside of that door is where Molly and I had our experience where I heard her voice behind me. Um, so that is that is so interesting to hear that. And I now I do also remember the story of you following the figure upstairs. I remember I think you told me that night, like at the end of the night or the next day, because I remember that happening right away. Um, yeah, that is. Wow. Wow. Lacey Street Studios, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. Well, uh, yeah, let's move on to the Disneyland then. Let's yes. Hear that one. The Disneyland, I think, is like the most 
you know, um, I think probably the most visceral experience I've had with something that could be considered supernatural. Um, uh, uh, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure Proctor skeptics can come up with, uh, reasoning for it and everything, but you know, it's for those unfamiliar with the Disneyland hotel, you know, you've got a couple of hotels that are newer, but there were originally these three buildings. Um, and, uh, uh, at the time I was staying there, uh, this was the main, ho- there was the main hotel, which is called the Marina, which is where you check in. And there's another one that's facing the park. Um, and at the time, like it wasn't long after, um, after the downtown Disney and stuff had been built. So it was overlooking downtown Disney and, uh, that was called the Sierra. And then there was another one called the big Benita, but yeah, we were staying in the Sierra so that's it's been there since i think the late 50s maybe early 60s uh late 50s sounds more right um uh and uh yeah we were staying in there staying in the side that faces the parks and uh at the time you know and and downtown disney and it was you know we were sleeping and uh i woke up feeling feet walking over me like child like child-sized feet stepping over me like uh several of them and um like a kid walking over the bed not realizing i was there and i i I woke up and was still you know feeling that sensation and i look up at the window and um facing out the window i see a clear outline of a woman with a beehive haircut. She has some, this like kind of a bouffant, you know, haircut. Um, and she's looking out the window. And uh, I was just staring at her. And then she turned, like I could see it turn and look at me. And it was, it was, it was weird because suddenly this, 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 uh, this urge came over me that like, I, I wasn't thinking this at all. I wasn't feeling any sort of, but it was I, I and, and I've I've heard of, of people that have had other other ghostly experiences before where they they encounter something and they say something as if it's almost like it's like being transferred into your brain is kind of what it felt like because it was like it wasn't there and then suddenly I like we make I guess what could be considered eye contact and I just say you got to be fucking kidding me and uh, uh, and then it it, it dissipated. Uh, and like everything went away, sensations went away, everything. Um, and yeah, that's, that's the entirety of the, of the experience. But yeah, it felt, you know, it felt very much like, like I've had the experience where you wake up and like, you kind of have that, like you're, you're stuck in a bed and you're, and you feel the bed tremble and stuff. It's kind of those like night terror experiences. And uh, uh, I, there was a documentary on night terrors that was that was really well done. And I'm yeah, like, okay, yeah, that's yeah. That, that's that's probably what that was. Like that wasn't like that was that was uh, uh, probably a weird, you know, waking dream, you know, experience that happened. But this felt like there was a presence in the room, and it wasn't like a malevolent presence. It wasn't anything, but it definitely felt like I had experienced something that was supernatural. And, and so just to ask a question on that, cause you bring up, uh, you know, the night terror thing, but like sleep paralysis, uh, 
typically happens, people can't move, right? So yeah. could, could you move your body? Because it sounds like you did because you even like looked over at her and stuff. So yes yeah yeah i i was able to i was able to move and uh uh whereas like in the the, the experience that i kind of referred to uh i could not move yeah, uh, with, yeah but um but this i could i could absolutely move oh, and so, so there wasn't anything that like yeah like i felt you know like i was laying there for a while and you know i had um at the time i i had a i had a a 20 pound cat you know, uh, back home. And so, you know, sometimes when you sleep in a strange room in a, in a hotel room, you're asleep and you kind of wake up and you think that like, you know, you're home you're, and then you, yeah. you readjust. Um, you know, at first I thought it was that I thought it was, I thought it was my cat Logan walking over me. And then I, you know, as I was coming to, I realized, wait, I'm in a hotel. Logan is not here. And then I kind of, you know, that's when I stirred and I, I sat up and yeah, then the foot, the feet, the sensation of the feet walking over me went away, but that's when I saw the woman. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for sharing those stories and happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Thanks for having me. Up next is a story from my brother, Brian. Now this story is actually just an excerpt from a longer episode that I recorded for our Patreon channel, but I wanted to include it in the Halloween specials because it's an unexplained event that happened to a handful of skeptics, my brother, myself, and his girlfriend at the time. And I need to tee this up a little bit since you're just hearing an excerpt, but I interviewed my brother about these three unexplained events that happened in the house we grew up in when he was an adult. And what happened was is our parents had moved out of the house, my brother moved in for a short period of time, and a house where nothing abnormal had ever happened, suddenly my brother experiences three different things. And you're only going to hear one of those tonight, and what's also interesting about it is, it was never my brother alone. There were always witnesses to these events. And the one you're going to hear tonight deals with some moving furniture. So let's let's get on to the next thing. Is the next thing the couch? Yeah, the next thing's the big thing. This is one of the few experiences in my life where I'm like, ooh, maybe maybe I did experience something paranormal. You know, I don't I don't 100 percent know. But what I'm extra curious about with this story is hearing you tell it and then how, and how I may remember. remember it. And I, I'm going to I'm just I'm just fascinated with it. It may be exactly the same. Um, I may be a really good storyteller. So there's parts of this that you might just shut up and say, you know what? Yeah, that's a better way to remember it. Um, <laughs> but here, let me let me tee it up a, a little not to bit. Say that you're not the movie producer, so <laughs> it doesn't matter. I was in town visiting family and I would always stay with you in my old bedroom in this house. And the one thing you can go back and start at an earlier place than this. But I just want to say it as a brother because it's such a brotherly thing. We were going to go out to dinner and you wanted to wait. Because you had to move furniture around before we left. And I was upset about that. Bunks ray by shit. I, mean, I, I wanted, really to wanted to just go to dinner to and we can come levels. back and move this around. But you were like, no, we got to move all this before we go to dinner. We've got an after party. I don't want to work before we come back to after party. <laughs> so yeah. anyway, uh, here, you go ahead and, and tell the story and I'll, I'll shut up. Yeah, another scenario. You're, you're in town for a week or two. Um, I had a, my girlfriend at the time. Uh, I can't remember who else. There was definitely somebody else with us too. I think the uh, um, the scenario was I had just been given uh, our parents' 
uh, furniture that they were no longer going to use. Um, or no, it was it was in this house. It was somewhere else. I had moved out other furniture, and I was moving into uh, the room um, a, a lot of heavier, more robust furniture. Um, so to set it up, right? So when you come into the back door of our home, which is the door we mostly leave and come in from, we never go through the front. Um, traditional Florida home. We have a sunroom. The sunroom is on the back of the house. It's open windows looking out over the lake. Attached to the sunroom is like a little bar area that's a total see-through um, and a walk space to walk from the sunroom into the kitchen out of the house, right? So this is where 95% of your life is spent. These are Florida room, you know? So we called it a sunroom. It's a Florida room. I mean, that's, that's really what it is. I had slid out and moved other furniture out of the way. And what I wanted you to do is help me put up these two big Ralph Lauren couches. There was a big white shag wool rug that I put down and a cast iron table with a solid chunk of glass on it, as well as two end tables that were cast iron with solid glass chunks. Um, and so you had helped me center the rug, put the couches on it, put the table on it, uh, took the chair in it. All this shit was heavy. And once you put it down, there ain't no sliding it or moving it around. Uh, and especially if it was for you and me to bitch about it, uh, we're beastly men. Uh, this was yeah, not. Yeah, I'm giant. I'm like, I'm this huge. was That's not. Uh, yeah, no. I mean, you're cut. I mean, I just think <laughs> of Brad Pitt and Fight Club. I see you just put another fifty pounds. But um, you know, like this. This stuff ain't going anywhere once we set it down. And that's exactly what we did. We set up the room. We looked at it. We said, great job, you know, sweating our asses off and you yelling at me and we go out to dinner. And so all of us leave the house. Um, and I swear there was somebody else with us, but, you know, that person has been uh, replaced by this ghost that has <laughs> taken over the story. Um, so at least three of us walk out of the house admiring our accomplishments. And when we return from dinner, flip on the lights. I was not the first person in the house. I think you were. And I think it was you that turned the lights on and said, Brian, do you move the furniture? And that's when I'm like, oh, fuck you. Let me walk in and I peer over, walk into the back door, peering over the bar. All the furniture had been pushed up and moved over, slid across the room, buckling up the carpet. You know, just something that not easily done definitely the air conditioner breeze did not do it um but you know we all sat there like what the fuck so mm -hmm. what's no no, no th story. this is great no so the only thing different in my story not all the furniture was moved the couch the big couch that was on the wall that faces the tv was jutted yeah. out from the wall on an angle so it wasn't Pushing the whole the couch carpet and the cast iron yeah table. The, the yeah i, I don't remember I, the, the leather chair moving. i don't think the leather chair was moved but definitely the big couch and it pushed out towards the love seat to the opposite corner of the, the room. big couch was uh, like the back if you're looking at it the back left side was in the in the correct place and the right side had been kind of jutted out from the wall and yeah. i don't remember any other furniture being moved but it caused the that fat ass carpet 
to, have to been buckle yeah. up and move the cast iron table with the glass. Piece I don't on remember it, the like, table being moved. That's, that's yeah, it that's all it all shifted over. See, that's there's where, a photograph on a BlackBerry yeah, somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I don't remember anything else being moved. Just the couch. But regardless of the fact, whoever remembers that correctly or not stuff was moved whether it's the couch the couch and the table or whatever the couch yeah. was moved and i kept thinking oh maybe the 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 carpet thing the rug caught up under a leg and it like tilted over and i was like well even if that was true it wouldn't have moved as much as it did mm -hmm. second of all that carpet didn't go all the way to the back leg of the cart of the 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 couch right it was a it was like a what do they call it Halfway. area it was yeah. like an area rug so it didn't go all the way to the back of the wall where the couch's back legs were but we do both remember the couch being moved uh your girlfriend who was with us i remember her being like well no maybe you did you not push it all the way back before he left and it's like no we, we were we put that hard effort we yeah. put that all all where it was supposed to go before we left for dinner we're all sitting here and we're we're logical people going eh, something really happened here that we can't explain and that's the foundation of the whole lights and furniture if you want to hear about all three of the experiences that brian had in that home besides the furniture we would love to see you over on patreon and listen to that whole episode now next up we're changing topics getting away from ghosts and paranormal and we're talking about potential aliens from the very talented joe russo well, hi, Joe. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And, and I'm very excited because you mentioned that this is an alien story you're going to share, correct? That's that's right. That's right. Though there's there's not any like probing or anything like that. But no. uh, but I did have uh, what I think some might refer to as, you know, a, a, a close encounter. Uh, you know, with the can third I, kind. <laughs> okay. All right. Can I ask you a question? UFO, before you... I don't I don't know. Whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Well, we'll find out. Can I ask you a question before you start, which is, yes. did this, you're from New Mexico. Is that correct? No. I'm oh, not did you go uh, maybe Arizona? I'm well, so I, I grew up in Connecticut oh. uh, and then I went to school. In That's Arizona. what it is. That's what it is. Arizona. Uh, and so this actually happened while I was living in Arizona. That's see, that's what I was going to ask is apparently yes. there's a lot of, there's a lot of UFO activity in the Southwest. So that's, that's why right. I asked that question. That's right. Okay, yes. cool. So I don't know if you're familiar with a phenomenon called the Phoenix lights. I am um, actually. Yes. Okay. So the Phoenix lights actually happened years, years, years before I lived in Arizona. Um, uh, but you know, when I was uh, finishing up at school and before I moved to Los Angeles, uh, I was working production on a variety of different movies and TV shows and commercials and what have you. And uh, a lot of the TV was reality TV. I found myself working with a pretty consistent rotating crew of people out of LA who kept referring me for jobs as, as you know, it goes with production. And, uh, and so I got uh, offered the chance to be a camera operator on a kind of Mythbusters-like sci-fi channel show. Um, I don't think I ever saw the end product, but the uh, the the gist of the episode was we were going to try to prove or disprove what people might have seen when they did the Phoenix Lights. Mm -hmm. uh, so you know, we went out there and we were doing weather balloon experiments and 
you know, dropping things out of a plane and seeing what they would look like to the naked eye and different, you know, it was, so we we're trying to like replicate all of like what, what could people have actually seen with the Phoenix lights and, and to give some maybe context. Yeah. Uh, the Phoenix lights was this one of a, a mass UFO sighting events um, where lots and lots and lots of people in Phoenix uh, all saw something in the sky. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're, we're doing this and we basically have like one big overnight shoot, uh, where we're going to be out in the middle of the desert, kind of near where people reportedly saw, uh, the Phoenix lights. And so, you know, we're filming all sorts of different things. We're filming the hosts, we're filming different experiments. And suddenly someone says, what's that up in the sky? Right. And we all kind of turn and look and up there is a big, bright white light and it zips to the left faster than I've ever seen anything zip before. And then it zips to the right faster than anything I've ever seen zip before. And it, and it starts doing this like back and forth across the sky. And all the producers are like, point the cameras at the sky <laughs> stop staring at it and shoot it yep. right so we all so me and all the other camera operators because reality tv so you have you know a crew of four or five different people filming everything right mm -hmm. we all whip our you know late aught digital cameras up to, up into the air and uh, or, and and you know point them up at the sky we're filming and we're filming and I can see this with my naked eye. I can see this thing zipping around the sky like nothing I've ever seen before. No plane, no helicopter, no nothing. And, uh, you know, I'm shooting it. And then it zips off and it disappears. And it's gone. And we're all like, like, wow, we did we just really see a UFO? And everyone's like, well, thank God we have the cameras. Thank God we got it on tape. Mm -hmm. The next day, there was nothing on the tapes. Cameras couldn't pick up whatever we were seeing with our naked eye. So it, was there nothing on the tapes? Like it, it they was were blacked too... out. No, there was there was footage. Yeah, there was no there was no the 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 light. Whatever we were seeing, the cameras weren't strong enough to pick to it up. pick it up. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh man. So all of that that whole you know experience where we we all literally saw something up in the sky mm. isn't in the episode from what I understand because we had nothing to to prove or show yeah. or you know highlight so it literally it happened we shot it we all saw it. Mm. And god man I went home and I was like chilled to the bone, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I'll never forget. Not not only was it just cold out in the desert, but like the feeling that like, you know, we might have seen something other, you mm -hmm. know, was was uh was 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 pretty pretty exciting and scary and yeah. Uh and then yeah, and the fact that that none of the footage was was uh usable mm -hmm. um to prove us right or wrong was was I think probably the eeriest part. It, it, yeah, it has to be. And so what were your thoughts or beliefs on UFOs before you experienced that? Were you somebody that's just like, oh, that would be cool? Or or were you hardcore skeptic or hardcore believer? I would say like 
in the middle, right? Yeah. I, I've, I've, I believe the universe is so big that the odds of us being the only intelligent life form, uh, and I think you could argue if we're actually an intelligent life form, yep. but, but, uh, uh, you know, but, but the odds of us being the only one in this massive, massive, massive amount of, of matter out in the universe feels extremely unlikely. Um, and that's kind of how I've, I've always kind of, uh, thought and, and believed. So, so no, I wasn't necessarily going out into the show being like, oh man, I hope we find something or, oh man, I hope we can prove the existence of aliens. It was, it was just like, it was a job, you know, yeah. it was yeah, like, yeah. they were going to pay me, I don't know, 250 bucks a day to go point a camera at something, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I absolutely. I know. And, and I, I feel like I'm in a very similar boat of I don't know if I believe in UFOs or not, but I believe the universe is so big that there's definitely something out there. There's definitely life out there. I don't yeah. know if it's visited the planet or not, but right. it, it could be if it's out there. Apparently it visited uh, Central Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's where that's where it happens. That's where they come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Sure. <laughs> I, you know, they're they're not really good with illegal aliens there, though. So it's not. That's true. Place, that's uh, yeah. Yeah. But the funny story was. um about I don't know, maybe seven or eight years later, I was sitting on the set of a movie I produced called Nightmare Cinema, and our financier was literally just about to release a movie about the Phoenix Lights. Oh, and I cool! Tell him the story, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah, like, you know, uh, you're making a movie about this. So I was like, let me tell you, uh, <laughs> let me tell you my experience <laughs> with <laughs> Phoenix Lights. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Um, um, but I, I still cannot. For the life of me, explain what I saw. I've never seen anything in the sky like it before or after. Yeah. And the fact that it moved two directions, too, at least two directions, mm-hmm. is. Yeah, because at that's first really we were like, oh, is yeah. it just like, is it a fast moving plane? Mm-hmm. But I've never seen something circle back that quickly. Yeah. Well, very cool. Very cool, Joe. Now, I, I appreciate the, the alien UFO. Uh, sort of genre interjected into these episodes. Two things I want to bring up before you go, which one, which just occurred to me like seconds ago. Yeah. But I talked to you like four or five years ago. I don't know if you remember to get advice about starting a podcast. Do you remember that? <laughs> I do. I think yeah. we, to, we went to lunch. To, well, right? we went to lunch, but this was it was this was a phone call probably months or a year later than that, because I I've always wanted to do a podcast and right. I was curious. You gave me some great advice, but I just I didn't have time. I was in the middle of production sure. on two things. So in a lot of ways, you're you're at fault for whatever becomes of this, <laughs> for, for whatever this is, well, whatever I, this is. Um, I, I appreciate you saying that I'm, I'm glad I was able to give you a little bit of a push and, and I'm excited that you're doing it. Yeah, no, I am too. I'm honestly, I'm having, I'm having a blast. And the second thing is I just want you to be able to, you know, kind of plug anything you're working on. You have a great podcast. You have a lot of projects, it seems in the works and coming out and out already. So I just wanted to give you a chance to tell people where to find some, some Joe Russo work. Yeah. Well, um, let's see. Uh, well, the aforementioned Nightmare Cinema yeah. is uh, still streaming on Shudder, uh, so you can check that out there. It's a horror anthology, which is pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've got a, a, the Postmortem with Mick Garris podcast. I'm a producer on that and a, a regular co-host on the Ask Mick Anything episodes, so you can catch me there wherever you download podcasts. 
and uh and what else i just just uh had a movie that i produced that came out called the greatest beer run ever mm-hmm. um i was a producer on it and uh that's on apple tv plus yeah i've uh, got to watch it it looks so good i haven't seen it yet but i really want to watch man. it i appreciate yeah. that yeah and then uh and then next year there's a couple things coming but but uh you know a couple things in post-production but uh Keep an eye out for the inheritance on Netflix. Um, that's one I wrote, and I'm pretty excited about it. So, oh, nice. And, and then I'll provide some links in the show notes for everybody to check stuff like that out. Uh, and Joe, thank you again for doing this. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I'm going to finish the Halloween special by sharing a, a personal story. The most terrifying thing that's ever happened to me. The only setup I can kind of give is that I was 11, I think I was 11 years old, and I was at summer camp in Michigan. I went to Interlochen Arts Camp, and it was my third summer there. And when you go to Interlochen, they have options nowadays where you can stay less than the whole summer. But when I started, you had to stay for eight weeks, and which is a long time. And when you've been there, when it's your third year, that's a lot of summer camp up there. And I was in junior boys because I went as young as you could go, and that's the youngest division. And I'm not sure if the older divisions, because I didn't go to them, did the same thing. But when you're in junior boys, you would camp out once a week, like whatever cabin you were in, your cabin would camp out once a week. And you would hike through the woods. And there were like three or four kind of favorite camping spots. And this is not tents. You know, you you carry a sleeping bag, you light a fire, and you sleep circling the fire. And not only would you camp out once a week with your cabin, but I was obsessed with camping at the time. You can't pay me enough money to do it today. But at the time, when I was a kid, I was obsessed with it. Every summer, I would take camping classes. They had like a variety of like camping classes you could take where you learn how to tie knots and light fires and things like that. And they were really only supposed to allow you to take one of those a summer. And I think I was able to take two or three. They were very nice to me and let me do that. And during those classes, you're also camping out a number of times over the summer just for those classes. So I was camping out like two times a week, pretty much. So the point of explaining all the the camping set up there is that I knew those woods like the back of my hand. In fact, I still do. I haven't been there in decades, and I could still guide you through the forest. I knew every pathway. I knew every secret shortcut. I knew everything about it. So now, on the evening in question, my cabin was having one of its camp nights. And we all decided to camp at a certain spot. I actually think it was my favorite camping spot. I can't remember what it was called. You would leave the cabin and you would hike down this path. You would pass some kind of like homes that were on the side. And then you'd enter the forest. And it was actually an easy place to get to, generally speaking, because you stayed on this main path through the forest. And you would divert to the left after a long period of time. And then you would divert to another left a little bit further along the way and that would lead you to a river crossing little betsy river it's not a big river and you would cross over it from an old toppled over tree which had kind of created this natural bridge and you had to be careful crossing the tree trunk over the river because it was very slippery and if you fell into the river it, it wouldn't really hurt you it's not a big river 
but it's cold, it's wet, you know, you don't want to fall in. And they had like a club. If you ever fell into the little Betsy River, they would, you know, say you're part of the club or something and make it fun. But regardless, you don't want to fall in, especially right before camping for the night. So we cross over. I think there's about 10 to 12 kids in my cabin. And we all cross kind of one at a time because that's the safest way to do it. So we kind of slide our feet one at a time across the bridge. Everybody carrying their backpacks with sleeping bags and things. And not every kid could get across the, the tree bridge over the river with their backpack on because it created, you know, it's a balance issue and it's very slippery. And some of the kids' backpacks and hiking packs were very heavy. So they would either leave it on one side, they would cross, and the kids that were better at getting across would go and be kind and grab their backpack and come over the log. Or even the counselor would help too. And just a couple, you know, maybe a minute and a half walk from the river crossing is our camping spot. So we get to that spot after crossing the river. We lay it on our sleeping bags. We start collecting wood and birch bark as tinder. We're getting our stuff together to build a fire and stay for the evening. And we only had one counselor with us, and I, I cannot remember his name. And right before... It gets dark, because it was the evening when we hiked out there, but it was still light. It is summertime. The the light, you know, it stays kind of bright, pretty late out there. And so I don't remember what time. I just know it was kind of dusk. And we're underneath these tall pine trees. There's bushes around us. And we start to hear noise in the nearby kind of bushes. And... We think it's an animal, so we kind of quiet down. We're like, oh, I hope it's, you know, not a bear or anything. And we're trying to pay attention, and we hear the, the rustling in the bushes grow louder and louder until something is obviously just on the other side of this, like, thick shrubbery that's, that's behind our campsite. And suddenly we hear what sounds like an old man yell. Are you kids? I hate kids. And we all kind of freeze. And we can't see who this man is. We can just hear his voice. And I remember distinctly our counselor, who at my age, like 11 years old or so, I thought he was an adult. I considered him an old man. Looking back on it now, he was probably like 18. And I remember distinctly seeing him terrified and our counselor yells back to the bushes and says you're on private property this is part of interlocking you need to get out of here and the man responds i hate kids i'm gonna kill you all tonight i'm gonna fucking cut you up and kill you all tonight this froze us every single kid in my cabin we were all dead silent quiet with fear our counselor yelled some things back of which i do not remember the specifics and tried to get the guy to leave was trying to ask who the guy was that the old man kept yelling back to us that he was going to kill us so our counselor wisely was just like everybody grab all your stuff as fast as you can we all, you know, rolled up our sleeping bags. He's kind of staying guard at the campsite. The old man, every now and then, you'll hear something move in the bushes, and then he would yell something else about hating kids or something like that. 
we all get our sleeping bags or backpacks together as fast as we can. And by this time, now it is dark. We go as fast as we can back to the to the uh, little Betsy River crossing. And we had to cross the bridge one by one, knowing that that old man was in basically the, the forest, maybe 20 yards from us. He was not far. We could still hear him moving. And it's dark. The log to cross the river is slippery. Some of the kids didn't feel like they could carry their big heavy backpacks which had sleeping bags and canteens and other things in them so they left them on the shore of one end of the river and crossed without it and one uh, kid in my cabin was brave enough to kind of cross back and actually carry some of the backpacks for the kids three or four times as we waited on him to get three or four of the backpacks across we all get together we're on the other side of the river still feeling petrified but feeling a little safer knowing there's a bit of water between us and this crazy man in the woods. And then our counselor told me, because I had been there for so many summers and had camped out so many times and knew the woods like the back of my hands, it was dark. He didn't know how to get back to our cabin. So he put me in charge, being a, a small 11-year-old or so, of guiding everybody back through the forest and back home to safety. And I was so scared. I, it is the most terrified I've ever been in my entire life. But I definitely remember kind of gladly leading everybody. And we stayed in, a, in a, like a single file line. Our counselor was at the very back and I was at the front using my flashlight, taking us through the forest. And we never heard the guy again. We didn't hear him. As soon as we crossed the river, we didn't hear movement. We didn't hear him yelling. But we made it all the way back to camp. This is a story that I may have, I've shared to a handful of people in my life. I don't think I ever told my parents because I didn't want them to worry about me at camp. Now, looking back on this as an adult, I have to say, I think the only reason my parents never found out from the camp, because surely a threatening man in the woods near a summer camp full of kids, that should have been reported. And you would think that all the parents would have heard about it. So looking back on it as an adult, I actually kind of write it off as I think one of the other counselors was probably had a night off, drunk, or maybe even not drunk, and just wanted to pull a prank and was making a voice up and yelling at us. And I think the other, you know, the other members of the camp, uh, the adults, figured out who it was and probably punished him in some fashion. And I think that's the only reason we never heard about that again. Because that is, you don't not tell parents, you don't call not call police when there's someone threatening little kids. And again, I look back on it, the counselor, he was terrified as well. He was scared out of his mind. And luckily we made it back home. I know life has its ups and downs and its drama, but to have what sounded like an old scary man threatening you when you can't see who it is you can only hear it and you're in the middle of the woods and you're a kid that is that is something that i will i will never forget as long as i live and that'll do it for our halloween special terrifying tales part one and part two thank you all so much for listening and for the support i am having the time of my life truly 
And thank you to each and every one of my guests for coming on and sharing stories. Don't forget to listen to Tom Holland's interview coming out in just a few days. And make sure to go into the show notes and check out links and information on all the guests I've had on for the terrifying tales. I know they'll appreciate it. Please give us a follow on Instagram at A Study of Strange. Send me emails with either stories, ideas, comments. We're up for anything here, A Study of Strange at gmail.com. And obviously, make sure you're subscribed, rated, and reviewed wherever you listen to podcasts. Oh, and I gotta make sure I say this we are dark the week after Halloween, but we will be back the following week with one of my favorite kind of true crime mysteries that I've come across recently. I am very much looking forward to getting back to true crime and bizarre historical mysteries. Lastly, happy. Halloween.